Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the, of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now when the turn came for each young woman to go into King Ahasuerus after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for, for women, when the young woman went into the king in this way, she was, given, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go in, and in the morning she would return to the second harem in custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Hegai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus, into his royal palace, in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the year, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days as Mordecai was sitting at the king's, at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you, may you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. How Esther found her groove. How Esther found her groove. See, you and I need to come at a point where we understand what we are here for. We come at a point where we understand the purpose for which God created us. I think it was Miles Monroe who said, Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. In other words, if you do not know even your purpose, you are going to abuse yourself. And a lot of us live lives that are 
uh, are full of confusion and dissatisfaction. And part of the main reason is the fact that we don't know who we are. We don't know why we're on the earth. We have not found our groove or our groove. And this passage reminds us that God has an impact-filled destiny for your life. God has an impact-filled destiny for your life. Tell your neighbor, God has, God has an impact-filled impact destiny, destiny for your life. Now you're saying it like you haven't had breakfast today. I don't know if you're fasting, but let's, let's say it with power. Amen? Amen? Tell your neighbor, God has, God has an impact-filled destiny, an impact-filled destiny for, your life. for your life. And that's your groove. Amen. So how do you come at a point uh, that you, you find your groove? What should you know so that you come at a point that you, you find your God-ordained destiny, your impact-filled destiny? I believe there are four things that we should know that come out of this text. Number one, here's what you should know. You should know the platform for your groove. The platform for your groove. Watch verse number one. It says, After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Right? So, of course, this is chapter number two. means this chapter number one and the things that have gone on in chapter number one. So what are after these things? Well, after these things is after the day that you had uh, King Ahasuerus or Xerxes, his Greek name, more popular one, uh, very drunk on that day, demands that his wife comes and parades herself before people and the wife refuses. And then it's seen as this is a big diss. This is very disrespectful of the king by Queen Vashti. And so he consults his people. And his people say, listen, uh, you should make sure she is not king anymore. Find somebody else. Right? And we're told in chapter number one, that's the third year of his reign. So he started reigning in 486. And so that must have been 483 BC. Right? After these things, and as we read this story, we find out that this is seven years later. Or in the seventh year, sorry. So this is four years later. At this point in time, probably uh, Xerxes has gone to fight the Greeks. So in about 480, 479, he had been fighting the Greeks and now had the time to come back and start thinking about home affairs. And so now it's dawning on him, I don't have a wife. Right? And so, his young men who surround him, here's what they say in verse number 2. Then the king's young men who... who who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be brought, be sought out for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Susa, the capital, and the custody of Hegai and the king's eunuch, who is in charge of women. Let their cosmetics be given them, and let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. I mean, kind of ideas young men would come up with, isn't it? Oh, you need a woman, sir. You need to get your groove back. You need a woman. And so they uh, start up this story of saying, look, here's what you should do. There should be like some form of a beauty contest. All the beautiful women in this kingdom, let them come here. Now, do you watch this? This is the platform for Esther. There's something that is happening even beyond the control of Esther. There is something that God is doing beyond the control of Esther that's going to bring Esther into a place of influence. Now, I want you to watch again. Here the king has a problem. And there must be a solution. 
and the platform is always a problem. Hallelujah. You see, useful people are people that solve problems. Amen. Useful people are people that solve problems. People that do not solve problems are part of the problem. Somebody said you're either part of the solution or part of the problem. And so, in your coming at a point where you understand or where you say, this is my groove, or this is the place where God has set me, this is the destiny that God has for me, please understand, those opportunities always come in the guise of trouble. A lot of people are looking for opportunities in the, in the wrong places. They don't see that in their own backyard, there are things there that need an answer. Let me brag about Brother Steve Chiwunjita. Brother Steve, graduate of Polytechnic, and I was one of those people that said, man, you've graduated, go get a job, go get a job. I'm ashamed now. <laughs> but he looked in his backyard, there was all this trash that needed to be processed, and he started an NGO, a company, a social entrepreneurship, and he is somebody that is known world over now, for turning what other people consider trash to be something that is a social enterprise. And I think that's where you and I fit in. See, many times we're always thinking of ourselves or what God has called us to do in terms of what we can do on Sunday. Mm -mm. It's not just Sunday. It's not just that which we can do on a Wednesday or a Tuesday in our home cells. No, it's where God has sent us to. He has sent us into the world. Listen, that education makes you to be somebody that can solve somebody's problem. And so somebody is going to employ you because you have a solution to their problem. That's your platform. That's the place where you start from. Stop thinking that ministry is in the church. No, ministry is not in the church. Ministry in the church is for those of us that are called into the church to minister in the church. But for everybody else, ministry is out there. Yes, you come to church. Yes, you take your part in church. But listen, this is only to empower you so that you can go right back into that banking hall, right back into that hospital, right back into whatever, so that you can bring the influence of the King of Kings in that place. See, Esther was going to find her groove, but there was already a platform. God created the platform. The God who created you has so gifted you and has so configured you that there are things that you are a solution for. May, as we look to, or as we ask God, what is it that you have called me to do? May we just look at the issues that are around us and the small things. And I really believe that when we're faithful in the small things, God starts elevating us. And so here we find there is a platform for Esther. What should you know about finding your groove? Number one, well, understand there are platforms for your groove. Here's number two. Understand as well, there are people for your groove. There are people for your groove. God will bring people that will help you to step into what He has called you to do. So here, this verse number 5. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemai, son, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, from Nebuchadnezzar, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. Watch now, we're being told the history of Esther. In fact, this is the first time Esther shows up, right? 
There is a background, uh, I don't know, maybe a socio-political background where there is a vacuum in the queenship. There must be a queen that should come. Amen? But then, even things that are on that macro level require ma- micro movements. Those things that are on the big level require small things to be moved. And so, we come to that personal aspect. And so, we are told that there is this Jewish guy. His name is Mordecai. Now, you must remember that the Jews at this point in time, they are in exile in Babylon. God had chased them out, in fact had allowed them to be conquered by the Babylonians and to be taken to the Babylonian captivity in exile. Where there he was going to process them and he was going to bring them back again into the promised land so that they can fulfill his purposes of redeeming humanity to himself. Yes, many had gone and had started to build a temple, returned to Jerusalem, many of them, but then there were others that had stayed behind. Others like Esther. Others like Daniel, who stayed behind, right? And so, put this in the perspective of, okay, here is this person that is a slave, pretty much, right? Here is this person who, when you see her, her lineage, she's coming from a conquered people. And yet, with those conquered people, God still has a plan for them. Watch the person that becomes very key to Esther finding her groove is Mordecai. Mordecai is her uncle. Mordecai is family. Mordecai is somebody that's like, in fact, somebody who is her father pretty much. Because she is an orphan. Many times when we think about moving into or doing things or or, or understanding what God has called us to, we make a mistake when we don't check with those that know us. Your parents, you may not like this, pretty much know more about you than probably you know about yourself. They know what your aptitude is for different things. They know that probably if you are in this situation, you will thrive. And many times, foolish people cut themselves off from their family. God is going to use Mordecai for Esther. In fact, you can actually see that Esther as an orphan definitely had Nothing, but it takes somebody who takes her in to get her to where she's meant to be. You will never get anywhere without people to stand around you to help you move into the destiny that God has for you. You need people. You need people. In fact, tell your neighbor, you need people. You need people. You can never move into your destiny by yourself. Christianity is not a John Rumble show. It's not a die-hard thing, just one guy. That's the stuff for movies, not the stuff for real life. I mean, all of us, if we look, if we trust, and, and uh, if, we, if we look into our lives, we'll find there were people that God brought into our lives that helped us to be where we are today. And so here's Mordecai, the father, uh, the father pretty much of Esther. Right? And so we are told something else about Esther. It says in verse number 7 there, it says the young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, in Susa the citadel, in castle of Hegai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in the castle of Hegai, who had charge of the women. Now I want you to watch this. Watch how the need of the king, the national need, and uh, the giftedness of Esther come to lock together. 
Right? Esther is gifted. You know, we all have different kinds of giftings. Some people's giftedness is their beauty. Amen. Amen. Right? Their giftedness is their beauty. They are the ones that are going to be on the cover of magazines and stuff like that because they are beautiful to look at. Right? And so that's their groove. And so Esther is like that. Somebody that is beautiful. Oh, how about those of us that are not beautiful? Well, as we say in Chichewa, if you are not beautiful, then you should know how to sing. Right? <laughs> that's what we say, isn't it? If, if you're not beautiful, then know how to sing. But, but here's the whole point. The whole point is this. <laughs> You're not catching it. Here's the whole point. Everybody has something. There's nobody who has no contribution to make at all. All of us are gifted in some way. In Psalm 139 we're told that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, we are made in the image and the likeness of God. God does not make junk. God does not make junk. God makes things for a purpose. There is nobody with no purpose in the earth. But the thing becomes that you should find what is your gifting and marry your gifting to the issue that is around you. And so there she was, beautiful to behold. And so obviously she wins the contest. I don't know if there were regional conferences, I mean um, contests that make her to come at this point. But all these girls from all over, they come to Susa, the citadel. It's always, it's always called the citadel, right? A citadel would be a, uh, an acropolis. An acropolis, you'd have uh, the city like this, a city like the way that Lelongwe is, or Old Town is, and then the citadel will be the palace complex, elevated some 30 meters above the hall of the city. No mistake about who is king and where the king dwells in. The Acropolis, the citadel, would show you that that's where the king is. That's where the man with the power, the man of the hour, lives at. And so they were all called to that place. Now I want you to watch something else. Here's what it says. It says in verse number 9, And the young woman pleased him, pleased him, and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food, and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace, and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. Now, I want you to watch somebody else that comes there. So there's family, Mordecai, and here now comes Hegai. Hegai is more like a, a mentor. See, when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be friends with him. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? It says a man's gift uh, brings him before princes, makes way for him and brings him before rulers. And so this gifting of Esther makes way for her and brings her into the favor of Hegai. Now, interestingly, the word for favor is the word chesed. Now here at Kairos, chesed is a very popular word. It actually means covenant love, right? It's God's love that flows out of His covenant. It's not just love. It's love that flows out of His covenant. It's love not because of, but love in spite of, right? And so we are told that this Hegai, somehow, God has worked in his life, and this Hegai has this unconditional love, has this chesed toward Esther. See, God will bring people into your life. Sometimes you even wonder, why does this person like me? <laughs> why is it that this person is just there for me? Whatever I do with my mess and everything, that person is just still there. 
Yes, God has brought that person into your life. Listen, you need to have people like that around you. You're not going to amount to anything if you have people around you that are always bringing you down. There ought to be people in your life that are bringing you up, that are speaking positive things into your life, that believe in you. And so, he just found, she just found favor and grace with this man. And this man was in charge. This man was the one who was in charge of everything. And so here's what he did. He pulled strings for them. Hallelujah. Oh, do you know, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Amen. Or sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Amen. Who you know can pull strings for you. And so here's what's happened. Her guy decides that I'm going to make you in a prominent, to put you in a prominent place. I'm going to, to make everything about you to be the best because I like you. I don't know why I like you, I just like you. See, we should never limit the workings of God to only the people of God. Uh, 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 uh. The God of the universe, He is king over everything. He's king over everything, king over everybody. And He can move whoever He wants into the position that He wants. The Proverbs say that the king's heart is like a river in the hand of the Lord. And he moves it wherever he wants. And so here Esther finds favor. Please, may you not come at a point of thinking that you should sleep with somebody so that you can earn a favor. Please don't ever come at that point. Don't ever come at a point of thinking you should bribe somebody so that you can earn a favor. Do not do that. You trust on the Lord. Amen. You trust on the Lord. Because the Lord will bring the hair guys into your life. They will position them and switch them so that you meet them and they will be the ones that will take you to the next level. And so the, the, the cosmetics that she needed was provided for. Oil of Olay. I don't know, whatever. You think of, about it. Uh, Revlon. I don't know. All the stuff that you, you, you think that you need. They were provided for by Hegai. Right? And, and Hegai ensured there were servant girls that are going to be attending this queen. That he knows this one is going to be queen. Right? And then advances them. Advances them to make sure that they are in the right place. You need people. You need people. But here's something very important. We're told that Esther did not say who her people were. Because Mordecai had said, don't tell anybody that you are Jewish. Why? Well, because they would be a hated people. Because they'll be understood as foreigners. As those people that had their God. In fact, they saw themselves as people that God had called into the earth and through whom the purposes of God were going to happen. In fact, God had made a, a covenant with King David to tell him that, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an everlasting kingdom. And so there was always the expectation in the minds of the Israelites that, listen, even though we're in exile, but one day Messiah is going to come. And when Messiah comes, he shall fulfill God's promises to David. What was that promise? Oh, to Abraham. What was that promise? That the children of Israel would be a blessing to the nations. In other words, it was pointing to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. So they knew there were people on a mission. And I tell you, the enemy out there, the world out there, does not like that bad news. The bad news that there's going to come a time when the king of kings is going to descend and establish his kingdom in the earth and is going to bring down all their kingdoms and is going to judge those that are wicked that have not followed his ways. It's bad news to the world. And so this Jewish understanding was 
you want to keep this stuff to yourself that you are a Jew because in this place here, we are going to get in trouble. What does that mean for you and for me? Well, we are those that have put our trust in the God of Israel. We are those that are also elected and chosen by God to fulfill His purposes in the earth. It means that when we look at this story, we see ourselves in Esther because we too have been called for such a time as this to make an impact in a place like this for the kingdom of God. She was not supposed to tell anybody about herself. And watch this, verse number 11 says, And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Wow. He's out there. Just trying to check on her. Loving her. Caring for her. How you doing? Do you need any help? Wow. What a team. What a team. What a team she had. She had people on the outside. She had people on the inside. Hallelujah. Listen. Some of these battles. The, le- the reason we're losing them is because we're fighting them by ourselves. Amen. You're fighting by yourself. And as long as you're fighting by yourself, you will run out of steam at some point in time. You need people around you. You need people around you. You need people that believe in you. You need people that see God in you. You need people that see the purpose of God working itself out in your life. Who are those people in your life? You know, they're already there. God has already positioned them in your life. Just for you to discover them. Hey guy, that professional guy, that mentor, that's who hey guy is. Mentoring her, helping her understand the ropes and how stuff works, coaching her. Oh, but some of us, we just have an attitude. Even when people want to teach us and help us, they don't, they can't do it. They don't go very far because we're just giving them the attitude. Somebody said, your attitude determines your Altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. How high you go is dependent on your attitude. If you have a lousy attitude, people won't want to invest in you. Do you know when somebody who's a mentor, an older person, comes alongside you to help you, they really shouldn't be doing that? I mean, they've got better things to do. They're teaching you things they already, they already know, isn't it? So, why should they spend time to be with you, to help you know things that they don't really need to know? That's because they care for you. Friend, listen. Let's have this mindset that says, I need people in my life, and God has set people in my life to help me move to the next level of what He has called me to do. Because if you do not do that, you shall fail. Oh, I'm just going to pray. It's just about me and God. Forget it. It's not just about you and God. God has set you in a family. God has set you in a community. God has set you in some place with other people so that those people can help you. Do you know some of these things that you, you, you pray for and you ask for? I mean, uh, you ask to God for... It, some of these things is just asking somebody, right? You know that? Some of these things is just asking somebody. God has set somebody there. And all you got to do is say, Oh, look, I, I, I'm in need of school fees. We heard that testimony. Right, short but powerful, Brother James. He's looking for school fees money. 1.3 million kwacha. Meets up with this guy. He says, yeah, I can help you. How much? 1.3 million kwacha. Oh, sure. 
January, I'm going to get you 1.3 million kwacha. Now, if he was rude to that person, if he was not in good books to that person, that would not have happened. That would not have happened at all. Church, listen. Some of us need to come down from heaven. Some of us are too up there. We're, We're too spiritual for God. And all our answers are always about Jesus. This Look, the, the book of Esther doesn't even mention God. It doesn't. There's no way it mentions God here. God is implied in here. It doesn't even mention God. And then you find some people that you say, Hi, how are you? How are you doing? How's it going? What's up? I'm blessed. <laughs> okay. And then everything they're going to be talking about must be tied to Jesus somewhere, isn't it? Well, you can do that in church. It won't cut it for you out there in the world. Because here's how it comes off. It comes off like you're thinking you're high up there. You are this very, very holy person. And that's not a good attitude for people to think that you have. Right? And so then, it means that you and I need to come to a place that we understand. That God has given us wisdom. Yes, we need prayer. We must be prayerful person. We must be people that are very spiritual. But spirituality works itself out in wisdom. In how you live your life. And so you need people around you. Find the people God has sent into your life. Find the people that God has sent into your life. And you move forward in the destiny that God has for you. Oh, some of us, we don't want to be discipled. Some of us, we don't want to be helped along in our Christian lives. How in the world are you going to find the purpose of God if you don't have anybody discipling you? How? You're not going to be able to do that. And so you're going to be stuck. See, the problem with when you're on this level, you think you know. People on this level think they know. People on this level know that these ones don't know. In fact, on this level, you don't even know that you don't know. You need somebody here to tell you you don't know. And then when somebody from here comes down here and tells you, no, 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 it doesn't work like that, because you think you know, you say, no, it doesn't work like that in my life. It's never worked like that. In your life, yeah? How long have you lived? 25 years? <sighs> That's the whole of your life, yeah? It's always worked like that? How about listening to somebody who has been around 60 years and has been through that and can help you through that? One thing that we don't do well as a nation, as a culture, is mentorship, you know? Passing on the baton from one generation to the next generation. We need to change that. Because we're not going to move forward unless there are these Mordecai, Esther, Haggai relationships. We need those. We need those. We need those. Otherwise, we'll always have to start all over again. This generation must relearn things again that the other generation knows very well. Tell your neighbor you need people in your life. The platform for your groove. The people for your groove. Number three, the preparation for your groove. Verse number 12. Now when the turn came for each young woman to go into King Ahasuerus, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with spices and, and ointments for women, for women, when the young woman went in to the king in this way, she was given whatever she desires, 
she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go in and in the morning she would return, she would return to the second harem in custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. So now we are told that she is in this one year program. Hallelujah. Right? She's in this one-year program where she's actually a certificate, right? Let's call it a certificate. You know, some people say one-year diploma. No, a diploma is three years, right? Okay, so a certificate program where she gets to know how to conduct herself before the king. And she's part of the harem. Now, I want you to watch this. The Bible does not endorse oppression of anybody. On the other hand, though, the Bible shows us things the way they were. Right? Things the way they were. And remember again, God is having to deal with people that are not yet perfected, isn't it? People that are still sinful. People that oppress each other. And so here we have a place where we have a form of oppression of women. A harem would be the place where the concubines of the king would dwell at. Now somebody who was a concubine would be a girl who the king did not exactly marry, but paid a dowry. To be like a wife when he needs her. And the thing about somebody who would be a concubine is that they were never allowed to get married again. They could never have kids. They could never have, you know, the companionship of a husband. Nothing like that. They were just waiting there until the king would demand their service. And it would be a service because it wasn't any form of intimacy at all. Right? And so we see right here an oppression of women. And I tell you, we live in a place and a time when women are quite oppressed. And I believe that it is us in the church that should stand up and say, no, that is wrong. Hallelujah. Oh, but pastor, you know, when you start speaking like that, you're talking about this, this gender stuff. yeah? So you're trying to say that women should be like men. Did you know that women are like men? Genesis 1 verse number 27 says, God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. Isn't it? So male and female comprise the image of God. Together, they comprise the image of God. Male and female together are valuable. They're equally valuable before God. Nobody doesn't mean that our, our roles are the same. Well, when we say roles and when we say value, those are different things. A role is just something that you play. Remember Jesus? Very much God. We believe that, isn't it? Very much God. One of the three of the Trinity. But then Jesus is sent by the Father, right? Does the fact that Jesus is sent by the Father make Jesus any less God? No, it's just a role that he plays. And so the very same way that we should understand the gender roles. There are different gen gender roles, but we are equal in the sight of God. You get it? And for that reason, those of us that are believers, we ought to be saying, no, 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 no. Things that are done to bring down women, to oppress women, they are going against God's image and likeness in humanity. I don't know if you've been following, but you know, there's a, a gentleman from Hollywood, Harvey Weinstein, big movie company producer, director, and all sorts of things. Well, he's come down this past week because he's, got, he's had this history of abusing women. Us, especially those of us that are men in here, Christian men, we should not allow the oppression of women. We should not turn a blind eye to that. Right? 
uh, women are not our objects of satisfaction. And also I should say, please women, don't, make, don't buy into this thing that makes you to think that you are, you are just an object of our satisfaction. Well, how do you do that? Well, sometimes you can dress in a way that you are saying, well, I'm available, isn't it? Right? And so sometimes you can, buy, you, you can buy into that mindset. Now, do you have the freedom to put on whatever you want to put on? Yes, you do have the freedom to put on whatever you want to put on. But as a believer, you also know that you have a responsibility, isn't it? And this is a nation of very young people, very, a, lot of very, a lot of young men that are not yet married. Right? And they're in that place where, yeah, they need a wife. You know, so sometimes when you dress the way that you dress, they, they're, they're, they're not even thinking about Jesus even in church. Am I right, men? Yeah. Just three men. The rest of us are so holy. I'm, I, man, I'm in heaven. I don't even see that stuff. Okay, okay. But watch this. It does not mean that the Bible is endorsing these practices. Please understand that. It does not mean that the Bible is endorsing these practices. The Bible is just saying those things were the things that were happening. And in actual fact, we should see the redemption in this because we're going to see that even this woman, even this, this, this woman that is oppressed in a sense, is going to come at a point where God sets her in a position of authority. And so there's redemption here. And let me say this again. When you come into the New Testament, you see that Jesus has a high value for women. The person that says all that, that is the witness to the most important event in human history, the resurrection of the Son of God, who is the witness? A woman. In a time and a day when the witness of women, testimony of women, was not allowed in a court of law. And yet, we speak of the resurrection, and it was a woman that showed us that. Right? And so, watch the preparation. There's training. Sure, the climate that we're speaking of is not the best of climates. It's not the best time. There's oppression or whatever. But has there ever been the best time after the fall? Really? It's all fallen after the fall, isn't it? Yeah. Right? And so we find that uh, there's training for her. And we're told in verse number 12, Now when the turn came for each young woman, Oh, I've read that already. But I want you to watch this. That there's a point where she gets trained. The fact that you are gifted for something does not mean automatically you don't need training. Our brothers that are in the praise team, the instrumentalists, they are gifted, aren't they? They are gifted. But if you are to ask them, for them to play like they do, they have to practice. In fact, they had to learn from somebody how to play the instrument. Isn't it? So the fact that you're gifted for something, it does not automatically mean you don't need training. You need training. In fact, you need more training now that you have the aptitude for it. And so here she was being trained for that whole year. And then watch something else that happens, verse number 15. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now I want you to watch this. When it, it's hard time to go, now the, the, the protocol was you'd spend one night with the king. Anybody watch that movie, One Night with the King? There's a movie, an Esther movie, One Night with the King. Okay, we'll show it sometime. Right? And so, you spend one night with the king. If you pleased him, you would stay. If you didn't, hasta la vista, bye-bye, we'll see you later. Right? That'll be the end of it. Right? And so, they're preparing Esther. 
And Esther does as her mentor tells her. She does as her mentor tells her, and you, you see that she ends up being successful. You can never move into the groove that God has for you unless you listen and learn from your mentors. Watch what else happens. It says, now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So now she has come at a place where her excellence is shown. Please understand, the world does not go for lack of excellence. Amen. You won't say, oh, you know, I'm going to pray and pray and pray and I'll get a promotion. In church, maybe. And especially if you're part of the intercessory team, maybe you'll get a promotion. You know, but you won't pray and pray and do the graphics. Uh-uh. You have to produce, isn't it? Right? And that's the way it is. And church, let's wake up, please. The world out there is waiting for people that will produce. We're supposed to be the ones that are working as unto God and not as unto men. Our work should be quality work. Amen. Oh, you show up at 8.30, you're supposed to start at 8 o'clock, you're not working as unto God. You're working as unto some boss. God expects there will be a spirit of excellence on you and on me. That the way that we do our stuff, we do our stuff on a high quality. And I think... This is paying off. Sure, there's God's aspect there. There's God's touch on Esther. But there's also the obedience of Esther. There's also the listening to her mentors. And there's also she being in good books with everybody because she understands, I can do this by myself. And so she comes at a point where now the king says, you are the queen. Puts the royal crown on her. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and give gifts with royal generosity. So what, hap- what happens now? Esther is celebrated. Now somebody may say, ah, now you've got into your groove. Now this is what it's all about. Now you've been, you've been elevated. Now you've been promoted. Now you have arrived. Uh, wrong. Her position is merely a tool to do something for the kingdom of God. Please understand that. Your position is merely a means to fulfill the purposes of God in the earth. In other words, you and I as witnesses, we have been called to work, in a sense, undercover as we do the things of this world. But the real job that we're doing is bringing about the influence of God's kingdom in the place where God has set us in. And so she's celebrated. Sure. But see, that is just part of our celebration. I mean, part of our preparation. She's being prepared so that one day when the time comes, she will do what God has called her to do. How are you being prepared? Do you understand the things that, you're going, that are going through in your life? It's part of your preparation. Do you know that school, that training is part of your preparation? It is. That mentor, part of your preparation. The people that God has put around you, part of your preparation. Yes, even you come into a place where now you have been promoted, now you have authority and influence, that's part of your preparation. Yes, you're being celebrated, part of your preparation. You need to know, the preparation is for you to serve the kingdom of God. Finally, 
the positioning for your groove. Verse number 19 says, Now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. Now I want you to watch this. The, the, the promotion of Esther has also brought with it the promotion of Mordecai, because we're told that he's sitting at the gate. The people that sat at the gate were the rulers of a city. Right? And so he has now a place of, uh, of authority in the city. Right? And so he hears rumors going on or stuff that's being said uh, by these two, two, uh, two guys. Uh, it says, um, nice name, Big Than. Don't you think Big Than? Big Than? Right? Big Than, good name. And Teresh, right? And so they're conspiring to kill the king. And so what does Mordecai do? He tells Esther. Esther tells the king. Now I want you to watch this. Your positioning, your positioning has to do also with your loyalty. Your loyalty to the kingdom will position you. Right? And so here's Mordecai positioned in a place where he can hear something and where what he hears and how loyal he is will take him a step further in terms of the king's confidence. And so here it happens again. You know, we have a lot of people that are not loyal. Did you know that? Loyalty is one of the things that our, our, our generation doesn't know. Our generation will move jobs, will switch jobs. You work here two years, you are there three years, you are there five years, you are there ten years, you are there ten years. The generation before us, they work the same job, thirty years. My mother worked for thirty years for the government. <laughs> one employer. She gets retired, she goes and work for another ten years, one employer. Not this generation. We're thinking, where's the next NGO? Who's, who's going to give me more money? Isn't it? And so we need to watch out because you see, if we're not loyal, we are stopping ourselves from moving, from being positioned. See, if you prayed for that job and God gave you the job, God expects you that you work for that boss like you're working as unto God. And when the time comes for you to move, you will know. And even when you do move, there'll be no problem with your boss. Oh, some of us, we have left a trail of bad, of angry bosses behind us. No, if it's God's way, if it's God who took you there, when you are leaving that place, it's going to be working out okay. Unless that person is demon possessed or something. I mean, we can't cut out that possibility, right? Okay, but loyalty is what positions this person. And then when that happens, here's, here's what we're told in verse number 23. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Listen, it was recorded because it was not going to be forgotten. Anything that you have ever done that is consistent with loyalty, that is consistent with your heart or you performing like you are performing as unto God, God never forgets that. And there's going to come a time you shall reap the benefits of that. And you see, that's what you must understand. For you to move into the groove that God has for you, I tell you, I tell you, it's you understanding God positions people. He positions you, He positions people. I don't know, but 
That said, I think then there shouldn't be this thing of saying, okay, just pray for me, pastor, and I'll find my groove, right? It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It means that you must use your wisdom. You should start understanding there, is, there are gifts and talents in me. There are aptitudes in me that I have that God has given me. And there must be problems around that I can solve. No, but you know, I can't find a job. Well, do something. No, but you know, I, 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 all I do is just watch TV because I'm, I've been sending all these, all these application letters and, and stuff. And it's not really working. And then you just sit pre at home all day. No, find something to do in that home. Well, well, but you know, uh, I really don't have to do anything. I mean, it's my mom's house. All the more reason you should work and do something in there. In fact, go volunteer somewhere. Go volunteer at some NGO. Do something. Right? Use the platforms that God has out there. Hallelujah. And then don't forget that there are people in your life. Find them out, seek them out. Who are those people that God has put in your team? There's the preparation that you need in your life. Are you getting the training? Are you surrounding yourself with people that will mentor you? And then understand, there's also the positioning. In all that is happening, somehow in the background, Esther doesn't even know about Mordecai and the things that are going on there. But somehow in the background, God is maneuvering and shifting things and positioning influence so that at the time that it is needed for Esther, Esther can step up and be the person that God has called to shift things in the kingdom of God. I pray that you would be that person. That you would say, I want to find my purpose and my destiny. That I want to know the reason for which you have called me. I have not yet apprehended it, but, I, but I, I press on that I may know the reason for which he has apprehended me. Hallelujah. Let's stand up one to pray again. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.